You know, I was talking to a group at our three-year anniversary last week, and I just genuinely wanted to know, like, and I was asking very honestly, like, because I think Zion is literally the cutest baby in the world, but I was just honestly asking, like, is Zion really cute? Like, do I have some sort of bias where I can't see that he's actually an ugly baby? Like, is he actually cute? I know, and everyone said a resounding yes, and I, I don't know if it's because I'm a pastor or not, but... I mean, parents, when you, when you have a kid, y'all, you'll understand this. Your baby is just the cutest baby in the world. And this applies to dog owners and pet owners as well, right? You know, have you ever met a pet owner where, you know, you know that their dog is ugly, but they just can't see it. They think their dog is the cutest thing in the world. My old pastor, I won't name any names, had a dog um, whose name was Happy. And this dog just looks like it had been through some things. Like, the only word that I could think of that I think is the most derogatory thing you could say to a dog is it looked very mangy. Like, that's the only thing I could think of. And, you know, um, one time I was on Facebook and I saw this picture and it said, I guess they have, um, every year they have an annual World's Ugliest Dog Contest here in the United States. And I saw the picture for that year's World's Ugliest Dog and I thought, oh my God, it is it is exactly like happy. It looks exactly the same. And so me and my friends are laughing like, oh my God, this dog looks exactly like happy, so ugly. And so I was going to show my pastor because I thought he'd like laugh and get it. And so I went up to my pastor and I was like, hey, check this out. I saw this picture for the world's ugliest dog and I showed him and I thought he'd make the connection. He's like, oh yeah, it looks like happy. (laughs) But he looked at it and he's like, ugh, and he walked away. He didn't get it. Like there was a bias that didn't allow him to see his dog was as ugly as the world's ugliest dog that year. And you know, I think we have this bias sometimes with our children and with our pets. And why do I tell you this? Because I want to make a connection between that and the nature of God as well. What I want to propose to you today is that Creator God has this tendency to look at all the things that the world calls ugly and broken and unredeemable and call it beautiful. You know, as Dave shared about last week, look how Jesus, he went up to the Samaritan woman at the well who, have, who had had five husbands, and this woman that no one would talk to, that everyone would avoid and gossip behind, everyone who considered this woman dirty and unclean, and Jesus actually looks at her and affirms her dignity and her worth and her beauty whenever there was someone or something that the world deemed ugly or unredeemable, Jesus saw an opportunity for redemptive beauty. It's as if he has that parental bias to look at all the ugly, despised, and rejected things of this world and see redemptive beauty in it. In other words, the title of my message, God Loves Ugly. It's almost as if God has this unique lens that he sees the world through, a lens of redemptive beauty where even the most hopeless of situations has a spark of redemptive potential, where those the world deems ugly and rejects, God accepts with open arms. But this is also where the parental analogy fails because it's not that God's blind 
or oblivious to the world's ugliness the way some parents and some dog owners and pet owners are. God is not a dog owner in denial about his world's ugliest dog. God is not channeling like I I do his unhealthy Enneagram type 7 traits and intentionally looking away from the ugliness and the pain and the sorrow and the darkness of the world and fear that he would be trapped in an unending cycle of pain. That's not what he's doing. God is not blind to the injustices that we face. God is not blind to the ugliness of the of our world. God is not putting a positive, encouraging K-Love sticker over all of the world's pain and darknesses. He sees the ugliness. He sees the pain. He sees the hopelessness and the sorrow. He sees the injustices. I don't know about you, but when I was watching the news this week, I was extremely angry and frustrated at the verdict of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. I don't know where you stand on that, but if you don't remember Kyle, he carried an assault rifle across state lines to a Black Lives Matter protest. He ended up killing two people and injuring one other person. And despite what you believe about the outcome, I think we can all agree it's not hard to see that people are legitimately frustrated and hurting over this. And I think it could easily fall into a territory where we say, God, he's oblivious to the ugliness and the injustices and the pains of this world. But no, God sees the injustices. God sees the pain. He sees the ugliness of this world. And how do I know this? Jesus faced the cross. He stared down the ugliest, most gruesome, painful symbol of death, and he didn't budge. He took this symbol that represented death and ugliness and transformed it into a symbol of life and beauty. It's not that he's blind to the ugliness in our world. It's that despite it, he who has seen the end knows that all things are being made beautiful, that shalom is the ending for every pain, every injustice, every ugly thing we brought into our world. And part of our calling is to partner with God and first seeing redemptive beauty and potential in every ugly situation and calling it forth, materializing it into our natural world. And this is the hope of the gospel, that God is making all things beautiful. And so when God sees the ugliness in our world, he sees it first and foremost with the heart of empathy. He doesn't deny its ugliness, but he also sees things it through a lens of redemptive beauty. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, right, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Revelation 21.5, and he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. And in other words, the story isn't over if the ending isn't beautiful. That means for every broken relationship, For every wayward heart, for every injustice, every pain, every mess we've made, God's plan has always been to bring beauty from ashes. And so if you find brokenness in your life, if you see injustice in our world, yes, recognize its ugliness, but also see that there is creative redemption that is there, beauty that God can bring from all the ugliness that we are embracing in our lives. And so today, what I want us to do 
is I want us to put on a different lens. I want us to see the world through God's eyes, through his lens of redemptive beauty. This past week, uh, Krista and I and Zion, we went to Yosemite National Park. And first of all, it's a lot of work. But second of all, it was so fun. And if you've been to a place like Yosemite, it's like everything there is beautiful. It's almost like there's a new filter over your eyes where you can just recognize and pinpoint the beauty of nature. And there's this one moment we were driving and, you know, we were listening. For some reason, my song downloaded one song. And so it was on repeat for like hours, which was Taylor Swift's All Too Well, 10-minute version. And we were just listening to the song, driving throughout Yosemite National Park. And there's this moment where we stopped because a car was stopped in the middle of the road. And this deer just like came right in front of our car. And it was just so majestic and so beautiful. And, you know, that's why we go to places like Yosemite, isn't it? Why? Because there's this sacred aura in the air. Because there's this expectation that we will find beauty. My question is this, what if we could live with expectation like that every single day, everywhere that we go, where we have this expectation on the inside of us that there's beauty out there, even in the ugliness of our world? You know, that's what was so inspiring to me about our, our guest speaker last week. How many of you, didn't you love Dave last week? Wasn't he amazing? But one thing that's inspiring to me is this dude, well, first of all, you know, a lot of us, we're, we're looking at him, we're like, man, I wish I could have, I could look like him at his age. I was thinking, I wish I could look like him at my age right now. Like, he looks good for his age. But what's inspiring to me about Dave is that he's literally living his best life right now at the latter half of his life. And I believe it's because he lives every single day with this expectation that there's beauty that God wants him to discover in the seemingly ordinary, in the ugliness of, you know, Dave, I don't know if you know, but he is very active in injustice work. And so he's face to face confronting a lot of the injustices that we talk about week to week. He's there on the front lines. He's actually there in it. Right, he was he was really lobbying even for this past week, um, the the clemency of Julius Jones. Like he was, he's there on the ground. He's experiencing the ugliness of injustice in our world. But there's something inside of him that says, "I will not settle for just having these injustices be unjust, this ugliness being ugly. I will not settle for that." There is redemptive beauty even in the ugliest and darkest of situations. I believe that's why he is such an inspiring figure because everywhere that he goes, every single day, he has his expectation that I'm going to find beauty or I'm going to materialize beauty where there needs to be beauty. Hey God, I thank you that you see our world through a lens of redemptive beauty. And there's something about people when they live lives through that lens, where they know there is beauty hidden from, for, for them in every single moment of every single day. There's something about people like that that we can't help but just be drawn to. And I pray us right now, 99, you know, we claim to be a church for the one, for the rebels and the runaways in our city. I pray that we would have eyes for beauty, that we would have ears for beauty, that we would have taste buds and uh, sensory feelings for beauty, that we would have smell for beauty. We would just have senses for beauty in our world. And so today, as we enter into the sacred time of worship, seeking beauty, I pray that we would feel a deep communion with you, that there would be this sense that you're in 
the, the singing of the birds. You're in the sound of the wind. You're in the painting of the mural. You're in everything that we experience in our neighborhood. And so, God, I pray this would be a sacred moment. Would you open all of our senses, and would we experience your beauty? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.